cliffcentral.com. And welcome to the Renegade Report. Uh, Ramon is here, but unfortunately I'm by myself today. My co-host has decided to take a, I don't know if it's well-deserved break, but anyway, he's on a break <laughs> on some land and by the Ruperts, no doubt. But nevertheless, uh, today in studio we have Father Chris Townsend, who is a parish priest from Pretoria, of all places. Uh, it's not such a bad place. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us. So... Religion is always a bit of a, a touchy subject yeah. for some people. Though in South Africa, I mean, 70% of people are Christians, according to polls. So how do you see predominantly maybe the Christian faith in South Africa in 2017? Um, what role do you see the church playing? I, th- I think at the moment there's, there's a sense of being a little bit embattled. Um, the, a lot of the, the values that we would all be uh, hoping for in the country, uh, I think we're struggling with. Um, honesty, integrity, those sort of things. Uh, well, it seems like we're struggling with that sort of thing. Uh, I also think it's quite a contested space in the sense that we've got to deal with doom pastors and, uh, you know, charging people 78,000 rand for a funerals memorial service. So there's, there's Christianity's is a, a, a sort of very broad definition, which I'm not sure anybody can actually define anymore, and certainly not in South Africa. Right. I mean, there's, there's many schools and yeah, About over 6,000 different churches, groupings, denominations at the last count, and then eventually the um, Census Department, Census Bureau just said, well, we're not counting this anymore. So there's over 6,000 in South Africa in alone? In South Africa alone, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's impossible to get any sort of consistency no there isn't and and there's no centralized leadership you can't go and say the christian leadership of south africa because no one no one knows what that would be right okay i mean that's a lot more than i expected (laughs) to be honest so but back to back to my original point what in terms of perhaps your part of the church so to speak um what i mean south africa is not in a great place at the moment thanks to uh, people at the top, so to speak. I mean, what what can the church do to assist? I, or, I think or one guide? of the the key things that we have to do is to keep on working on dialogue, and not the dialogue of the deaf, which we seem to be having, or that sort of supposed dialogue which we have on Twitter. Um, we've got to look at a much broader dialogue, and it's something that I think um, was envisaged with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. All those years ago, but we got some of the truth. I'm not sure we got to the stories of reconciliation and the, the possibility of reconciliation. And I do think that's one of the major roles that the church has to play. Churches have to play any any religious grouping because you're working with people and admitting to the fact that South Africa is such a multicultural, diverse society. One of the few places that you're going to find people together is in churches. You know, a lot of the community-based groupings that we would have had, say, 20 or 30 years ago, uh, are not there anymore. They're just not available in communities, um, it, whether it was uh, street co- committees, say, in Soweto, um, or, you know, the community library that you would have had um, in, the, in the, the more affluent suburbs. Uh, yeah, a lot of those spaces are gone. We've replaced them with malls, and we don't talk to each other in malls. We don't talk to each other at restaurants because we've got phones. Uh, so there's there's a deficit of dialogue, 
Um, and I think there's a deficit of being able to listen. And I think that's a major, major role that any faith-based community has to play. Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, I agree with you in terms of dialogue, but I mean, how important, how can I explain this better? I mean, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission happened. I think it was a good thing at the time. It was incomplete. Yeah. But how much scarring is left? I think if we have a look at the the recent things that have happened, uh, the Zilla Twitter storm, uh, the uh, the Spur uh, incident, these are all shocking to us. Uh, they are, of course, fed by the fact that we only get 140 characters to comment on these. Uh, but there is an underlying anger and frustration that I think most South Africans live with. And understanding that anger and frustration and just being able to, in a sense, recognize where this all comes from because we can call this coming from everywhere uh, whether it's the frustration with the leadership whether it's uh, the economic situation in the country which is far worse than anybody's really talking about because uh, we see it in terms of the the lower end of the spectrum if you want to call it that the amount of people that are are in desperate need of help um, that's why the, the issue around uh, social grants became such a big thing because there is no fallback after that. The only place after that is churches, communities, uh, very small groupings of people. Yeah, private uh, charities, that sort and, of thing. And basically that's, that's the state risking the possibility of not being able to, to, to cope with it. And that's the big thing. That's where you know, uh, a president saying it's not a big issue, he's, he's fine. He's fine. It's the, the people at the lower end. It's the sense of frustration. We've got to deal with the issue of race in South Africa. And we've got to deal with it, if, if such a thing is possible, dispassionately. Uh, we've got to be able to say, this is how I feel about things. And, uh, and, and this is my experience. And this is where I come from. And uh, I listen to you. Where the same thing that I'm able to speak about is what you're able to hear, and I'm able to hear you. And I do think that one of the greatest problems in South Africa is we don't listen. We're, we're, with the level of anger and frustration that we have, the, the ability and chance and choice to listen, because listening is always a choice, uh, we don't have that. We don't allow ourselves the space because we don't have those spaces. Uh, and we don't allow us, ourselves the mental space to listen to each other. And our world is increasingly with technology. I freely admit I'm an absolute addict. Um, Twitter, across the board, uh, I, run, I run my entire work through WhatsApp and, and all of these things. But this isn't making dialogue. It doesn't make me sit across and talk to you and listen to you. Uh, and I think that's possibly one of the biggest roles that the the churches and fa other faith-based communities can play. And I'm not sure that we've 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 grasped the nettle yet. I'm not sure that we've actually realised that this is what we have to do. Uh, there is so much going on, and there's so much space for this response, and the the sort of, in a sense, using Christian language, uh, the prophetic response is to encourage dialogue and to give the spaces for dialogue. And I'm not sure that I'm, – I'm not even sure at the moment there's an appetite for dialogue. Well, no. I mean, unfortunately – I mean, I may be guilty of this, especially on social media, for example. You have people with two completely different intuitions mm. about the same topic. Mm -hmm. so the spur incident, I see two quite poor parents fighting each other over – 
I don't know, someone hitting another child. It was just a poor, a poor situation from two, in my opinion, rubbish parents. Uh, it, I don't, it, it just happened to be a white male and a black female. I think that is fairly irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. If it was the same race or the opposite race, no one would really give care too much. People just jumped on the bandwagon because it suited their agendas. But talking about race specifically, I mean, the problem I have with race is all the research I see says most people don't think race race or racism is a problem. Most people want socioeconomic rights to be adhered to. They want service delivery. And most importantly, they want jobs. And once everyone has a job, it's able to provide for their family the you know the the minutia of difference between people tends to fall fall away quite quickly. Yeah, I think so. Yes and no. There's there's part of it where I agree with you that yeah we probably make too much of it sometimes, but on another level we do need to we do need to actually allow this this word racism to come up. We need to be able to look at it, maybe deal with it. Maybe just admit that it's there and that sure. we're, we're, we're not able to, to deal with it. Uh, and sometimes we don't want to deal with it. And sometimes it really serves our purposes to stoke it. I think there's a lot of stoking going on. Right. Uh, it's, it serves as a deflect moment to a lot of the other social issues going on in, in the country. But, but often it's used to describe things that are not racist. Yeah, it, it's, well. it's, it's a clash it, between it, it persons. It the word completely. Uh, yeah, I do still think that there is a lot of a lot of necessary story that we've got to listen to. And there, there is a lot of hurt that, that builds up. I, I've had the privilege of working um, in most communities in South Africa, rural, urban, uh, black, colored, white, uh, and integrating uh, all of these things. I, I had the privilege of being um, one of the, well, I was the 179th person of the 178th white people counted in uh, the 2000 census in Soweto. And uh, living there, I I had a great time. I lived there for for a couple of years, five, six, five years. Uh, It's a very important dialogue to have. But we've also got to hear that there are other dialogues that the word racism just sort of squashes. There is an ethnicity dialogue that needs to be had. Uh, We we avoid that in our own peril. Very few people know that – in the great movements out of Sophia Town uh, in the 1950s, the people that were moved um, were not only moved black, white, colored, and Indian. Uh, they were moved into tribal groups. Uh, so Meadowlands and, uh, and Dipkloof uh, in Soweto were divided not only from the black perspective, but they were also divided into into language groups, ethnic groups, and that often split families. We have a lot of hurt that remains part of the history of South Africa. Uh, and uh, there is an issue of privilege where I can say, quite honestly, growing up, we never, we never dealt with children dying, really. Uh, if they were dying in, in our community, I, I grew up just literally around the corner here in, in, in Ravonia. Um, I, don't, I can't remember anybody dying except one family murder uh, when we were in high school. Um, but we, it wasn't part of our common culture. In Soweto, when I arrived there in, in just in 2000, um, I was shocked and staggered at how many families had dealt with the death of children. And whether that was HIV deaths, whether that was just the lack of opportunity death. Now, that leaves a, a, a legacy of 
hurt and pain. And I think we've got to face that, that, that legacy. It's not so much it was caused by this person or that person or this group or that group or this color or that color. It, it's not hearing the person and how they feel. And a lot of it, I think, leaves us with, uh, with a South Africa that is, uh, has lots of wounds. And we, a lot of the reaction that I see, whether it's the spur incident or the, the response to, um, to the Zilla tweet or uh, what our president is doing today, because only he knows, no one else knows, um, I think a lot of it comes from that background. Uh, and I'm not denying that it's that, that there's not a racist element to it, but a lot of it is we come from such hurt that is trauma that isn't healed. Mm. And I do think that South Africa essentially needs a huge trauma healing. Uh, and that's done by, predominantly done by, us being able to listen to each other. And we've got to teach the skill of listening. You know, you've got... To, this wonderful life orientation, uh, life skills course in, 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 in the high schools, uh, we don't teach listening skills. Uh, and it's a critical skill. Yeah. And I don't think our, 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 our use of media and technology is helping, helping the listening because I don't want to be defined in 140 characters or a Facebook post so that my mom can read it. Uh, there, there's a lot more to it. And there's, it, it's almost a reductionist approach to things when we, 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 we put everybody into that amount and it's not going to help heal the traumas that we, we live through. Whether the, you know, just one of the things that I don't think is a, a story that we've told often enough, the story of the military veterans across the board in South Africa, the biggest group of suicides now um, that are not suicides related to, to overdoses and that sort of thing. But the biggest group of suicides uh, in my experience, has been those men, and sometimes women, um, who have fought on either side of the divide, uh, fighting up in Angola, the brutality that went on there, unparalleled in some, some instances. We're not talking about that. These are guys in their 50s, 60s, some even into their 70s, who have no place in, in the New South Africa. They, they just don't fit. And they, they're reacting from that. And a lot of it stuff is driven from that because these are our fathers and grandfathers and they they define an agenda as to how we relate to each other their wounds are not healed because they don't talk about them um, we don't talk as a as a dialogue as, as a country we we don't talk about what happened in the camps both up on the along the angola border with both sides in south africa what happened in lesotho what happened in botswana swaziland those things. we've got to talk about these things we've got to talk about the old sadf and the brutality that was internal in that, um, the huge amounts of sexual violence and trauma, the drugs, the alcoholism, these things are – they set an agenda for a country. Yeah. Uh, we set an agenda for the country because of the way that women have been excluded and treated. And yet, you know, we meet such incredible women who have been able to carry so much. And we haven't been able to recognize the burden that they carried. And I think that's a that's a, a great dialogue that still needs to be heard in South Africa. Um, I live in Pretoria, and uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on about about race and language. Pretoria, 
is an Afrikaans city yeah. in many ways. It's changing. I've, I've lived in Pretoria for a number of years now, and uh, it was always a, uh, an Afrikaans city. Now, if, if I speak in Afrikaans, look, my Afrikaans is not brilliant. Um, people automatically switch over to English. It's become that difficult. Now, we've got to recognize the Afrikaans community. Yeah. Um, the way that Jan Smuts used to, uh, to put it together is that for him, racism was the way that the Afrikaners and the so-called English, because there's no such thing as, as English, uh, you know, the English community in South Africa, um, how they would get on. He never thought beyond those categories. Yes. Uh, and, and we've got to, we've got to be able to look at history and look at that. And he was seen as, 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 a, as a quite a progressive in his day. Yeah, most of the time. Uh, and his, liberal. his whole thing was, well, let's talk between the races, yeah. meaning Afrikaans and, that nebulous group of the yeah. people who are not African speaking, yeah, the other white people, the other white aren't, people. Aren't, um, I'm sure the Jews fall into that category, and yeah, other, other all the other immigrants, the Beitelanders, yes. oh, right, um, right. Uh, or the Eightlanders, and uh, we've got to we've got to recognise that's part of our history. That um, that the dialogue has to be much broader than f- forcing it into small categories. Right. I mean, it will help. Im- I I, I, th- I think I do agree with you in that regard. I, I think, unfortunately, we've been obstructed by a terrible government policy that focuses on race a lot and and economic stagnation and if you have economic stagnation and you have race-based policies that is not conducive to having dialogue or that's not conducive to to having you know the rainbow nation thing lasted Mm. what five years and then it just died yeah yeah um so unfortunately it's, it's it's a bit bigger than just People coming together. There's, there's absolutely no will on behalf of the representatives in the country to do so. I, I, I think, and I, and I tend to agree with you sometimes about government. I think we over we over empower the government. Yeah, we, over, we, we sign we sign over so much of our of our own freedom and our own our own agency. To this nebulous and increasingly nebulous thing in South Africa, because no one really knows what's going on. Um, we try, um, and I, I, it's across the board. I think we, we've we've built too big a state. Uh, if we take back a lot of that stuff, um, come back to local communities, and that's where yep. church communities, uh, religious communities, local communities really need to 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 engage. Uh, that's where the dialogue is going to happen. It's also going to happen. Around the the moments where we can talk to each other on simple things, um, go to a sports field now and watch your kids playing. One of the great dangers I see happening in in South Africa is the privatisation of education. Uh, it's got Ooh, into might fight about that, but yes, no. In the look, states shouldn't be running education, but maybe there's some some other way around it. Um, because state has done really a really good job on, on education yeah, in South Africa. Uh, last last in the world. Yeah, uh, on you, we've, we've just replaced placed everybody onto a bunch of education level, and and that's sad. I, I read uh, uh, stuff coming in from for for students in the university, and uh, wow, we really have gone backwards and, uh, now. And we'll get back to that because you actually do some work within schools as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll and, come and, back to that. And, and you know, when you privatise it, when when your schools are listed on the JSC and where you 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 put schools into, and I don't know if privatisation is 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 the right wording for this. We've got to maintain an open focus on our schools yes. that is able to say in the South Africa that we live in, yes, we live in local communities, uh, but I, 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 I get very concerned when I see schools that are 
um, they're increasingly defining themselves, although they can't really do it. They define themselves as, well, in this community, we are all this language, race, whatever. Uh, I think that that, that sets up a, a different type of group area act. Um, and right. it's a difficult an one. An informal one. Yeah, it's an informal thing. And you've got to say, I, I think, and I, I don't have kids, so you know, I, I think this is a very, very difficult dialogue and, and possibly I, I see it from a different perspective. But I think we've got to make sure that our kids are able to talk to each other. And when we don't, that's where the problem starts, is that we, we start from that level. But, well, yeah. I mean, one thing, and I agree with you, I don't know what... I can't find any fault in your in your reasoning at all. But I, I do think most kids are actually far more mature than their parents with I, these, I, I with these sort so. of things, right? <laughs> I mean, soon Certainly after up, the, un, until about grade nine, and then oh, right. then maturity goes out the window for three years, and then it comes back again in a different form. And then they go to vits and then become revolutionaries. Yeah, or, or <laughs> well, maybe they're going to do something good. You know, we, we, hope springs eternal, and we must we must keep looking at that. Oh, hope. Well, I'm an idolist, so what do I know about hope? Um, but, I mean, back to back to the church, if I may. So, right, dialogue is important, and I agree with you. And I, I love talking to individual people, but I can't talk about... Yeah, I, I wasn't born here. I came here as a toddler. I have no foundations here. Well, now I do. But we came as a family in whatever, 92, 93, mm. as immigrants. So I've got no no root in the history of this country. You can say that my skin color makes me more privileged, and that's a separate argument. But I find it difficult to, to try to understand people's pain because I think pain and suffering is absolutely a prerequisite of living. Yeah, the great danger is that we pretend that it isn't. Yes. We have to We have to be able to say... My pain, my trauma, the things I've gone through, my family traumas, the the history, the the stories my grandmother told me, uh, these are these are part of of who we are, and one of the, the 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 dangers in our modern cultures and societies is that we are so removed from pain, from death, from trauma, uh, that they take on this huge overbearing life of their own. I think people in 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 older times. A hundred years ago, fifty years ago, maybe, were better able to deal with this because they were facing it more. Right. And I see it working as part of my my work would be dealing with with uh, with illness and bereavement. Uh, and people are, are are almost expected to get over it. That's the sort of life that we have. Is like, yeah, your grandmother died. Get over it. You don't do that. It doesn't happen. Um, the, the 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 great mourning customs of 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 all the communities that I've ever dealt with are so important for us because that allows us to say, I'm in a space for a space of trauma and healing because trauma and healing often need to work together. Um, you know, I remember stories of my grandmother uh, talking about in, in her village because they were immigrants as well. Uh, they would, if somebody died on the street, everybody would close the curtains on the street because somebody had died. It gave that family a sense of there was a solidarity in, in the morning. Yes. Um, in my work in, in the townships, my first year in the township was the, the first of the epidemiological peaks of death 
because of the HIV um, epidemic and the fact that the um, antiretroviral program hadn't rolled out. We still had another four or five years to, to deal with that. And in my, in my small community, uh, we dealt with 60 funerals. Um, it almost made – it almost trivialized that, that process of death because it was right. so regular. Well, it becomes a statistic, yeah. right, uh, You know, the, the, the youngsters, the, the, the altar servers, the, the, the youth group would say, no, where's, where, where are the funerals today, Father, or the, you know, over the weekend, Saturday? And then they'd say, no, no, we know that person. No, the, the, the food afterward will, will be good, so we'll go there. Um, yeah, and and it's it's a way of dealing with with the huge reality of death that we faced at that time. It, 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 that's a, that's a, its own trauma that hasn't been dealt with in South Africa either. Is the the HIV trauma that the death that went on because of neglect. You have to call it that. Um, well, or I don't know if it's neglect, if it's intentional. I, yeah, intentional neglect. Um, we, we, we have to remember that the much-vaunted second president was, is, was, is a Keynesian economist. Parts of, parts of that economy is simply what is going to work for the majority. What yeah. decision? And, and you can actually, in a sense, not cull off, but you can, you can just leave. Unfortunately, you can make life in a balance sheet. Yeah. And, and one has to watch that. That leaves a, a legacy of trauma. It leaves a legacy of pain. It leaves a legacy where a lot of people are sitting and, and, and not able to deal with things. If we look at uh, KZN, um, the, the stuff that went on in the 80s and 90s, virtually every household dealt with, with a murder. Um, if you look in, in – I worked in the colored community in, in Coronationville and uh, the old western, um, the, old, the remnants of Sapphire Town. And uh, the amount of trauma and violence that went on, that is uh, a gender-based violence, it's a language-based violence, it's a expectation-based violence, it's a drug and alcohol violence. We've got to find ways of, 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 of surfacing that in a way that is – Constructive is the wrong type of word for it, but yeah. it, it allows us to at least acknowledge that there is a huge legacy in South Africa of, of frustration and anger and trauma and violence. And no amount of Twitter comment or Facebook comment or, um, you know, giggling in parliament or, or is going to space. do this. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when our own parliament is, is in a sense, um, because they're not dealing with it, I, I, I feel um, I, I don't know. I don't sit in Parliament, thank God. No, but based on their uh, behaviour, we yeah, can deduce like, certain you know, things. Can you put a whole bunch of people together and then call them call them three year olds? Um, we've got to find ways of allowing the the trauma that that allows that type of behaviour to be to be dealt with. And maybe the biggest thing that we should be doing is 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 trauma work. Um, there is a lot of that in our South African society. And until we start scratching into that, we're not going to deal with, with the racist Twitters, the, um, the, the, the incidents at, at restaurants, the, the, the giggling leadership. Um, we're not going to deal with it. And we've, it's across the board. And there's a lot to be done. Yeah, I mean, I often made the case that unprocessed childhood trauma is probably the number one indicator of of a, of a society's health. I think it's a major issue that no one ever cares about. And mm. trauma is not something that's done to you. It can be through neglect. Yeah. Uh, for example, the AIDS crisis left people, left children, orf orphans. Yeah. That's trauma. Yeah. 
Yeah. That is deeply traumatic. Not having attention at a young age is deeply traumatic. Mm. And you can't change that later in life. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can. I'm not a psychologist by any means. Maybe you can, but yeah, with a lot of work. And I don't think that work is being done at all. I mean, I agree with you in that regard. I, I think, uh, you know, I remember one, one afternoon uh, just sitting, doing, doing the work that is necessary. A, a woman in the township came to me and she said, Father, I can't take another child in. She says, my, say her cousin had died. I don't remember the exact circumstance. Um, and had left two children. She said, I'm looking after nine already. And this is the pre-Banaba Becky, the, the child support grants. Yeah. Um, and she said, I just can't. I just physically, financially, and emotionally cannot take on. That's a trauma. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's this rolling trauma that I think sits behind a lot of what's going on in the way that our our country reacts, and you know, the question was, what what do the churches have to? I think this is where one of our major works is always. It's always been certainly from the Catholic Church's perspective in South Africa. It's always been education and healthcare. Right. The nuns got off the train at every station. They set up a school. They set up a hospital or a clinic or something like that. That rolled on to our our schooling system, um, most of it which we've lost um, uh, through some some really bad decision making. Um, it also means that uh, we we were able to move into areas where where, where the state couldn't. Um, there was a great near uh, Toyando in, 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 in the northern part of the country. Um, a lot of the antiretrovirals process, the clinics, the, the distribution points, were rolled out through churches because the state just did not have the capacity. Um, that I see as an extension of it. Now, if we're going to look at education and healthcare, the two major focus points of the church, you know, in a sense, education and healthcare means also a mental health. Um, yes. It means that we're, we're able to educate adults, and, and they're the most difficult. Uh, yes. It's much easier teaching young people. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, on that point, that was the church's role, um, especially in the United States and maybe across the world. But the reason why churches are not taxed, and still to this day I don't think they are taxed, yeah, is because they are, they are seen as a – Almost a charity. Yeah. So the money they collect is meant to help the community. Yeah. So the churches were the main educators. They yeah. were the main doctors. They were the, I don't know, social workers yeah. of their time. And that was their role. Unfortunately, today, we live in such a cynical world. People just say, well, that's just indoctrination, right? Uh, education yeah. through a church is indoctrination. And it might be some sort of indoctrination. I'm, I'm a, a, a a struggling atheist. I used to be hardcore atheist. Now I, I don't know. I'm agnostic about my agnosticism, <laughs> if that makes sense at all. Very much. Um, but I mean, I attended a Catholic school, a very good one. They taught me well. They may be an atheist, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but, but, but going back to the role of religion in, in a society such as ours, I think it'll, religion will make, actually make a huge comeback in the future because I don't think the technocratic utilitarianism based on science that we have now as as policy or things like that I don't think that that actually helps with people's meaning in life at all and I, they, they I need, to, they need to find some I'm not saying religion is the meaning in life but it's a form of meaning for many people and I, I think part of, of, of living in a plural society as, as South Africa is, and, and, you know, we talk about 70% being uh, Christian in some way. Uh, 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I do think that one of the, 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 the key moments and the key ideas for us is that we have to be able to, to say, okay, in, in, in a local area, how do we make dialogue? I, I, I look at the area that I live in. I have a fairly, fairly large, fairly active community in, in, in Queensland, in Pretoria. It is incredibly difficult to step across the dom- denominational boundaries, which have been enforced in South Africa quite strictly by the previous government. Yes. Uh, this government uh, doesn't really care, but it, it was. And we're still working to get some of those laws out of the way. Um, it's a long-term process. Uh, We've got a lot of issues with law and religion in South Africa. The key one is the marriage laws. Um, there's a lot of fight happening because of the Muslim community and being able to look at that. And I think it's a very important discussion and di- another dialogue and another trauma to have. Uh, we've got to be able to look at them and s- at local communities and say, how do we work together? In my, m- in my area, um, set up by one of the, the Dutch Reformed churches is a lovely little coffee shop. Yeah, and uh, called grounded, uh, and that's a dialogue space. That's a good name as well. By it way. is, and yeah. it, and it's a great group of of young people. Um, you know, people in their in their mid twenties and early thirties. They've just said, oh, well, let's create the space." And people do sit in dialogue, and you do sit, and you become a regular um, in in that in that space. You're able to talk, you're able to listen, and you're able to be heard. Yeah. And I I think that that complex of of talking, listening, hearing and being and being allowed to be yourself and to to own the, the life that you've had is critical. We have this this incredible constitution in South Africa that gives everybody space. Sometimes too much space, but that's another whole story. Yeah. Uh we've got that, but we're not we're not using the space created and a lot of what's going on in the moment, at the moment in, in the country, I see as a, as a way of trying to shut down those spaces across the board. You know, if you're not voting for the, the Green and, and Yellow Party, you've got to vote for the Blue Party. And, you know, yeah. then there's this Red Party that doesn't quite know where it fits in the whole situation. That's not dialogue. Parliament isn't dialogue. And, uh, well, and no, Parliament, you know, but politics. It, it, it's never meant to be dialogue, though. Yeah, People who look to politicians as examples of dialogue and mediation, no. Yeah, wrong, it's, wrong it's always place. done on a, on a different level. Uh, we've got to find those spaces for, for, for creating the opportunity. Schools are very important. I do think that school communities um, play a critical role. One of the greatest tragedies in South Africa is uh, school governing bodies. I sit on, 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 on school governing bodies, and um, uh, nobody wants to be part of this. Really? You know, if not you, even the parents? The parents, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to get people involved in this. Okay. Because it's like, ah, this, you know, what do we need? We don't. And yet the most important point in our lives is the fact that we give to educators – and we give to schools the majority of the life of our child. Yes. And we want to know, but you know, I don't have, I don't have kids. So, but I can tell you, I, I'm, I am the most painful member of, of any SGB um, because I, I ask all sorts of questions and I would, I would love that the whole country was just SGBs like me uh, because we've got to force the questions about who looks after our kids and what is happening to it? Do we want the education that we've got? Uh, do parents see that their, their children are blossoming? That's, that's, a, that's a crazy, crazy metaphor, but, you know, yeah. we, are, are, they, are, they, are they doing really well? 
and are they growing to be the best people they can be? Yeah, and it's not just about it's not just a tendocratic exercise. Yeah, it's, it's not, not just not about the marks and learning gravity exists. It's about developing the child fully. And unfortunately, I think parents give far too much. Uh, how can I explain? They expect the school to give that to the child, yeah. where it's actually the parent's duty to install that first. I do think we live in a country of 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 two extremes when it comes to parenting. There's those, you know, the tiger moms um, and dads. Um, I, I, I coached rugby at a school in, in Pretoria for a while, and, uh, you know, you actually had to tell these, these dads, get off the field, don't right. come near us because you're buggering the life of your son up yeah. by the fact that you're living vicariously through him, and sure. you're not doing that very well. You screwed up the first time, don't screw up the second time. Uh, but we've also got a whole generation of people that, that and I, I think it's an attitude to authority, that just says, well, the teacher has it. And yeah. uh, you've got to say, mm, are you sure the teacher has it? I mean, have you asked questions of that? Do you even know who the teacher – have you met the person that you t- you're, is teaching your child? Uh, one of my big issues um, on all the boards that I work on um, is the school transport system. You know, when yeah. ta- where do taxis go to die? They go to school. Ouch. So at schools, yeah. schools by old No, no. The, the, this is the transport of scholars. Oh, right. Um, you know, when it when when the Zola Bud has has her wheels have fallen off, she's barefoot. She's got no steering wheel. No, then you put her on the school taxi, uh, taxi to the school transport route. Now that's horrific, because yeah. they're risking the most precious thing in our country, and maybe that comes down to to what we want. Um, as the way that South Africa needs to work is we need to change. We're a very deferential culture. Um, What do you mean by that? We're always looking to authority, to the elder, to the stronger. It's centuries of 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 statism and and, and tribal hierarchies. And and, and it's across the board in most communities. Uh, That's how how things It's not unique to us. No, no, not at all. I think we need to revision a country and say, what is best for our kids? Yeah. Are we building entrepreneurs? Are we building thinkers? Are we building people who are happy? Um, and, uh, you know, a sense, a deep sense of, of joy in who they are and then what they can do. And I worry about that, that, you know, teenagers are going to be teenagers. They're not going to be joyful. And then five minutes later, it's going to change. And we've got to look at uh, across the board and say, are we actually making a country for our children and are we making it possible for our children to celebrate what they've been given i'm not sure we are at the moment i don't see that happening well, well no i think the opposite in fact yeah. i mean i think the education system is intellectual genocide i think um the criminal law doesn't look after children well especially the processes yeah. um i think you know rape and, and sexual assault is, is horrific drug abuse amongst the young is is fairly high too unemployment 50 yeah. percent yeah. yeah, under those of what 25 i think no one cares. I think the young people are like the very, very silent majority, I'm afraid. And, and then you look at, at something like the, the EFF that, that pops up and has a very strong youth component to it. Yes. Taken, taken the legs out of the, the, the other party's youth wing, basically because it's just the youth wing in, in another form. But what is it appealing to? It's appealing to a, a very deep-seated anger. It's a very deep-seated frustration and uh, the possibility of hope. 
it's saying there might be a different way that we can do this. And no one is recognizing the hopefulness of it and being able to oh, say, yeah. you know, if you look at, 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 at what's happening there, what is the hopefulness that is coming? Why are people saying this? Why are the young people so enamored with this? Because it's not politics as usual. We've seen them. Um, um, you, nobody tunes into the. I, I'd, I'd love to see the the viewership stats on the state of the nation, because I don't think anybody actually tuned into the state of the nation. Oh, it was WW Parliament. Yeah. But this is a, a group of of generally very young people in terms of politics, saying we can't go on. Where's the hope? And I think that's that's one of the key issues that I think. Any community has to deal with this. How do you how do you build hope? And what's what what sign is hope? You yeah, know? No, hope is dangerous. I'd rather build doubt in in kids. I, I would like the the critical ability to distinguish the two. I, I agree. Uh, yes, yeah. I, and I know where you're you're going from. Is that we've got to be able to to think. Yes. Uh, our our great failure in the, in the in the education system. Uh, and we're seeing it in the universities. A lot of what's going on in the universities is people getting to university and just being so disappointed as to what's actually happening there. You know, university, whatever Kada Asmal and his his crew of friends did um, in in telling every South African they could go to university. Uh, that's another. That's a a topic for debate. It'll take ten hours. Uh, but we've got to look and say, are we actually building people who are happy? And competent and thinkers and, you know, use that word out the box. Um, are they just are they allowing their creativity? And I don't think we're doing that. I don't think the state education system is doing it. I don't think the pump through uh, private education is doing that. It's, you know, pass the exams, get as many distinctions. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just just work. There's a lot that we have to revision and we need to change that visioning from the top end, whatever happens in Parliament, whether you're blue or green or orange or pink or whatever. That's the, in a sense, I think South Africans have just recognized how irrelevant that is. I mean, that, that's the one great uh, consequence of, of the minefield we're in at the moment. Yeah, it's, but, who, who cares unless it's for entertainment. Yeah. But it does have the direct <sighs> policy implications for funding for schools. Um, how does how does teacher education work? You know, we lost the great teacher training colleges that were there um, through a deliberate choice of of government. Um, we lost a lot of the the ability to train teachers. Yes, and and it it was politically fraught because it was ideologically fraught. Yes. But if we if we focus a country on on children again, uh, it's very important for us to be able to say. Our country is, is, is a child-focused country. We've got great laws, the, the Child Safety, the, the Children's Act. Um, yes. And I, I'm very aware as a Catholic speaking about this and a Catholic priest speaking about that the first reaction is, well, look at you. Your, your example is not, not perfect. I've spent the last 11 years working on, on child abuse and the, the structures that are enabled and destroying those structures. Um, and, it, and it's a lifelong, a lifelong work, I think, for many people. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to take that into a much broader context. We've got to look at the way that our schools crush minds, our schools crush kids. Uh, we've got to look at the way that families allow this because they're not involved. Um, they're, they're not there. No. And they're busy. You know, I, one of the schools I sit on, we, we have a, a, a board meeting that starts at six in the evening. Um, 
some of those kids arrive at school at half past six. We've got it. We've had to open the tuck shop for breakfast. Now we never had that when I went to school. They also have very good coffee there, but that's another story. Um, some of those same kids are still at school at seven o'clock at night. That's not parenting. That's not education. No. And uh, the the social work system um, and the social sort of welfare or the the, the social responsibility network. Is not picking that up. We've got a lot of problems there. You, we've got a we've got a very status conscious country, yes. um, and that happens top down. Um, it's how fancy is your car? Um, you know, I, I live in an area uh, near the presidency in Pretoria, and um, I take great pleasure in counting cars with blue lights. And um, you must spend all day at home then. Uh, yes. No. Well, just all pushed off the road. Um, you know, when when you have to have twenty six. Different vehicles, whether it's motorbikes or an ambulance or whatever, from 17 different um, jurisdictions protecting one man. You've got to ask yourself a question. You know, is this just not bling? Is it not flexing? It's, he's scared oh, uh, and, and flexing. And, and, you know, would that, would that convoy stop for a child? Uh, no, they run over them. And the reality of our South African situation is that everything has to stop for the child. We have to make a child-centered, um, a child-centered country. If you, you know, we've you've spoken a lot on the program about um, about Scandinavia. What yes. did that become? It's a child-centered program. Free education, excellent health care. There are problems with 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 the concept and the visioning of it. Uh, um, but it's uh, it's anything, it looks at kids. Anything that has to do with human humanity. Will have problems. I, I hate this utopian thinking that people think that yes, Denmark is the quintessential example of how a, a, a country should run. It's rubbish. There's so many variables that go into it. But on, isn't the fundamental problem that really people are having children that they don't actually want? It might well be. Um, I think that's a huge problem, and no one uh, wants to say because it sounds a bit eugenicistic, if that makes yeah, if that's yeah, a word. Yeah. But it's <laughs> like just don't have kids if you don't want them. And I know some women, unfortunately, don't have a choice. Yeah, because uh, there is patriarchy I, <laughs> in some parts of this country. There, there's a there's a lot more than we we, we realize and recognize. Uh, I do think that when we look at at at, at childbearing, um, it comes down from my, from my perspective. I'm a Catholic priest. Right. I my perspective is family. You know, you you shouldn't have more kids than. You as a family responsibly informed decision-making by conscience. Uh, if your child is part of a, a, a social status, and, and, and unfortunately so many are. But, and, and it applies to, to very rich people as well. It, it's, it's across the board. I know, I know someone who has two nannies for two kids. She's a multi. Well, her no, I had two works. nannies too. I had parents. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yes. No, no. She has two nannies. Okay. You have their own kids somewhere else okay. in the country. Yeah. They don't see them, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And every time the child hurts itself, it runs to the nanny, not to mm. mommy, because mm. mommy doesn't exist. Because mm. mm. mommy doesn't care. It, it, it's it's part of our South Africa, and and I don't even think it's a South African reality. It's it's the international reality. Uh, if you look at kids, can you bring your children up? And what concept do you have behind childbirth, child rearing? Where do they fit? 
And if you don't have that concept, I, I, I know some youngsters uh, in part of part of the schoolwork that I do. Um, they get five thousand rand a month, and some get more than that a month as pocket money. Now that is spectacular. I, I, I would have myself adopted by those parents if they weren't so negligent. That was my first salary five years ago. Well, yeah, I'm not five still years not ago. my salary, but that's another whole story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when you're spending your life at a mall or at a party, and and then we wonder why, when the breakdown in children comes, because most kids go through that. Yes. Why it's drugs and alcohol related? Why it's it's an all fall down? Basic parenting. Uh, it's again coming back to where do we focus? Where where's our centre? And I, I really do think that part of revisioning South Africa is to revision a child-centred world, and it, it it means that we 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 are able to look at everybody from the leadership down, um, and 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 invert that, and say how do we make the best for every child in South Africa? Uh, one of the problems that many years ago in South Africa was the funding for schooling. Yeah. It remains it remains a hugely contested issue. You know, we had the Model C schools, which meant that there were Model A and Model B schools, but those have got fought, forgotten a long time ago. Uh, in some parts of the country, it's, at one stage, the subsidies were worked out on the square meterage of the roof, not by the children under the roof. Um, we 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 need to seriously look at something like a voucher system. Um, Ooh, libertarian, ah, yes, very libertarian. But we've got to be able to say, you know, well, just, how do we yeah. how do we 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 allow parents the right to choose the best for their kids within the constraints of of, of an education system? Yeah, um, are we able to to deal with our educators across the board in South Africa? who are not the best in their profession. And we had over the weekend, this past weekend, we had the um, Educators Awards. Uh, it scares me. I, I think every educator must be the best. We don't pay our educators anywhere near what they should be paid. We don't give them the benefits that they are, as not only as educators, but also as, as not in loco parentis, as parents yeah. to 30 or 40 or 50 kids at a time. Uh, we've got to we've got to revision that, and I think if you want to change the system, you've got to revision from the child perspective. You know, what is the child benefiting? What is the child benefiting from technology and our use of it? We're developing 140 character kids. Mm. Is is that the extent of personality? Um, as I say, I, I, I met many years ago as a student, I coached at, at one of the one of the schools. Um, how do we make sure that our kids are not just sports mad, or because you know boys and boys and girls are different? Uh, well, I think I'm, Ooh, I, have to, I, I have to be very careful here because my experience is mainly with boys' schools. Um, it's very different working on a board of a of, of a of a of a multi-gender school. Uh, we've got to be able to to ask, you know, how much of it is child-centered, and how much of it is pleasing parents. Um, yeah, it's a difficult, difficult. Yeah, topic. that shiny new heated pool. Yeah, is is it for the kids to actually swim in, or is it just to show in the brochure? Yeah, and 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 it's. You know, as soon as you get into the AstroTurf Club, uh, it doesn't stop there. 
It's more and more and more and more and more and more. We've got to throw that back and say, well, is this what the kids want? Um, yeah. and, and is this benefiting our kids? And can we, can we extend that to all kids? You know, are we sitting looking at and, – and, and education is, I think, one of the most differentiated areas in our country – um, oh yeah, by far. You know, if you're sitting in a in a rural school in in uh, Puerto de Chaba in up in the mountains in uh, the Southern Free State, um, where you're sitting with sixty or seventy kids in a class with one teacher and no teaching assistant, no teaching aides, uh, that's the bottom line, and that's where we need to change. And that's that's the biggest thing. And I don't see in 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 all the discussions that are going on around the country. Um, as to how we make South Africa work to steal a, another a slogan from another country that has a very interesting leader. Um, how do we make South Africa? You've got to be child-focused. Not on your foreign policy, which we don't really have much of South, in South Africa. Our economic policy, well, is that focused on children? Well, no, of course not. Um, I don't know what is focused on children, if I'm honest with you. I understand the intention of the various pieces of legislation, which are very pro-children, but the problem we have, of course, is enforcement, yeah. unfortunately. One of my, my areas of work, because of dealing with, with uh, the protocols, dealing with complaints of, of sexual abuse of minors, is having spent time working and training and helping trainers train uh, our police services. That is not a child-focused approach. Well, I, I would argue it's, a, it's not an anything Focused approach. I, I think we we need to be careful as you know. Well, in terms, some in, things in, are in terms of violence to women and children. Mm. They are not yeah. adept at. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done anything at a police station, but I mean, I read stories where the woman actually goes and they say, "Oh no, you can't come to this one. You must go to that yeah. one where yeah. the rapist lives or where to." Yeah. Play. Yeah. This woman is severely traumatizing. You're treating her like. Uh, and and you know, yeah. I, I do think if we revision. A South Africa that is child focused and child centered. Yeah. A lot of that in the long term, it has to be a 50 year focus. Sure. It needs to be a perpetual focus that you're able to say, well, we do need to look at the way that we treat and, and, and most cultures, most cultures start off very respectful of children. They're, they're open to children. Yeah. And the more that we encourage that to be the focus and cent the, 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 the centricity of who we, we are, that changes the way that we'll deal with others. Um, kids are, are incredible. They'll tell you straight away what they think of you. Um, they, will, they have the most incredible sense of humor. They also will tell you very clearly what they don't like. Yeah. And I think that's a very important point for, for, for us to look at is, is how often our schooling yeah, yeah. excises that, that yeah. sense of, of, of being able to say, I don't like this. No, no, just keep quiet. Just carry on. Or, yeah. um, or it doesn't matter that you don't like it. I'm the teacher. You, you, exactly. That's the syllabus. Or I Don't whatever. talk about my colleague because he is a, a member of a particular teaching fraternity group or union. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I do, you don't have that story here. Yeah, but you do have the story, and we're not listening to it. Yeah, right. I mean, we spoke to my children a hell of a lot. I didn't expect this conversation to go this way. No, but neither I mean, did I, and I don't have kids. That's you the, do. That's yes, the beauty <laughs> of of the podcast. I mean, I got one, and even then, she's quite new. So uh, but she, all, you're a parent. Though. All she does for, for now is keep me up at night, which is good. It's not going to stop. 
No, 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 I quite enjoy it actually. Um, all right, but let's talk about the, the the child abuse scandal in the church. So, I mean, that was, I think, one of the darkest things in the church, probably since World War Two, when they, the church was a bit not apathetic about the Holocaust, but there were. I, I would, I'll disagree with you on that, but yes, okay. we, we can move on. I mean, that, that's. I think that there's there's a particular to, uh, history right. and a version of history that dates from 1968. 1968 in Europe is a is a turning point yeah, in everything. thinking. Um, sure. And from that era, there's a there's a sort of a revisionist history that excludes a whole story. Okay. And um, I mean, I'll have you to get into that a bit later. Yeah, no, I, it's it's a fascinating story, and and it's it's a story that the revision of the revision is happening as we're speaking. Uh, there's right. a lot of great stuff, particularly around the person of Pope Pius the um, Twelfth, yes. who, in his lifetime, was recognised as one of the the major um, protectors of the Jews and one of the major resistors of what happened in 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 Nazi Germany. Um, and then, as I say, nineteen six from nineteen sixty eight onwards, there's this revisionist history that excludes him. And now there's a revision of the revision, and I, I think that's a very exciting thing. Um, my own family, um, my 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 grandparents arrived here. Um, my Polish grandparents arrived here. There was no, there was no welcome party. There was ten pounds, and cousins of cousins, right. and they were Jewish. Now my uncle Nobby, who actually also just lived up the road here, I don't I don't even know what his real name is. But he was just Uncle Nobby. He was a, con- a concentrator. He still had the scars, um, the the numbers on him. And he had been baptized and brought into a Catholic orphanage as a child. And um, when when the subject ever came up, and in my family it's a very sensitive issue because so imagine. many people died, yeah. um, my, my grandmother would just, she couldn't deal with it. Yes. Um, she lost uh, more than, more than two-thirds of her family. Um, he would never allow anyone to speak ill against the church. Because of what it had done for him, and that's that's the the local the local feeling to it. Yeah. Um, I, I I do think that facing the the issue of the abuse scandal in the church, and we're still facing it. We'll continue facing it. Um, I think in South Africa, I worked on on the um, the National Protocol Committee for for a number of years. Looking at at the cases that we dealt with there, um, ours was just a. Was there a local? Were there local incidents of this? As oh yes, well? yeah, yeah, oh, really? yeah. Okay. By the time I left that committee, we were dealing with around about thirty-five, predominantly historical cases. Okay. So most of our cases dated twenty years and and older. Our oldest case was was about fifty-five years ago, at that stage. So it's probably right. sixty years ago now. Um, a lot of what we 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 were very lucky in in the, in the Catholic Church in South Africa, with some visionary leadership, which is sometimes quite unusual. Um, we'd seen what was happening in starting off in the States, um, Ireland, and to an extent um, Australia, and we very quickly put in a process to deal with the complaints. So the the process works not perfectly. Uh, but it works in South Africa, and we've now yeah. been able to 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 go through those cases. We 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 had a number of serial uh, offenders, um, 
And unfortunately, in, in, in the two major serial uh, offender cases, uh, they, they died before anything could come to court. Um, okay. But I mean, the, the nice thing that I see happening is as we've got a growing awareness of this, now we're moving into child safety and protection. And so are you developing internal yeah, and, and, protocols? And, and or, or it, it, it's amazing to me, again, as, as, a, as a person who doesn't have kids but works around kids I have for the last 25 years, uh, we've got to be able to, to say how do we make our environments the safest possible environments for kids from our schools to our homes to and, – and I, I think that's a really exciting thing that we don't ever get into the position that some of those kids were in. And the biggest, the biggest tragedy around the child abuse scandal internationally yeah. was that the voices of kids were silenced. Indeed. But and some a, of them have never been able to, to deal with that. But that's where I want to go to, though, because I don't – unfortunately well, unfortunately or unfortunately, I, I don't see that as indicative, of, of course, of the greater church. It's like those people that say oh, all of Islam is problematic because yeah. mm. most terrorists are mm. Islamic. Uh, it's not a great argument, yeah. but how did this happen? I mean, because when I well, I'm still growing up, but priests are always seen as one of the most trusted people. Uh, I think that has actually declined substantially since mm-hmm. the scandal. Uh, now it's doctors for some reason. Yeah. My co-host is a doctor; he's not trustworthy. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, I mean, how? Because it wasn't just a case of individual predators. Let's call it. Uh, Perpetuating sex crimes, it was, they were they were protected. I, the the biggest problem high. is the protection. Th- that's that's and what I, I want think to get that to. we have to be very careful of judging a historical process by the law and consciousness of today. I fully so agree with you. If if it was happening in the eighteen eighties, we've got to look at it in the society and the the law. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't say it was no. right. But in the 1880s, one way of dealing with things was, well, ah, gee, you know, this priest, Father, Father Murphy, is a problem. Well, we'll move him because it might change, because it might be the situation. And it's a situational ethic. It says, yeah. you know, let's move him out of there. The problems rolled, and they often rolled, because one of the great dangers is that in most of the cases that we, we've dealt with historically across the church, in, across the world, um, have been people that have been serial abusers. Yes. And that is, that is a psychological, uh, psychiatric problem as well. It doesn't excuse it in any way. It doesn't excuse the attitude of leadership to it. Um, it's not only sexual abuse. It's the violence in our schools that went on. It, it happened across the board. Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I'm so so grateful now that our kids don't have to deal, contend with 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 uh, a, a corporal violence. Yeah, authoritarian yeah. monks. Uh, uh, yeah, especially in the 30s and yeah, 40s, you know, we've got to look at the the way that that schooling changed, how the social system changed. Um, we've got to look at the the issue of 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 celibacy for people that was forced. And enforced and not proper. What is your view on that, if I may ask? Uh, I, I, I'm strongly of the opi- opinion that um, celibacy must be something freely chosen, and it's oh, very difficult. So? Okay. You know, okay. Um, and if if the person is not able to live up to it, and there is a lot of space, and that's a great thing with Pope Francis at the moment, he's allowing the space for dialogue again. Right. Um, 
I think there's a lot of space for that. We've got to keep that space open, uh, facing the realities of where we are and where we're living and how immensely our world has changed since 1968. Yes. Uh, Pope, Francis, Pope Benedict called, um, called 1968 as, as the watershed for Europe. Um, and then consequently the Americas and in, indeed our international consciousness. Um, we've got to look at the historical way things were dealt with. And sometimes these men in leadership and women in leadership, because it wasn't just men, it was also women, uh, the way to deal with things was, well, we'll just pull them out of the situation. Right. If you're having a fight, I mean, you're, you're, I'm, I, have, I have two brothers. If you were having a fight with your brothers – one of you were sent away to, to diffuse the, the, the tension. Now, the problem was that so-and-so was sent away and continued. Mm -hmm. The violence was then a violence because we have to look at this first as violence. It's a sexual violence. Sure. Uh, the violence was, was first against that person who didn't have the power. And that's where the, the biggest trauma is. It, it, it's the betrayal of leadership by thinking they, they, they knew better how to deal with things and, and often not, not allowing the development of, of, psychi uh, of psychiatric um, understandings of, of psychology, the DSMs, the, the way that we, we deal with children and trauma. Yeah. Um, we didn't keep our eyes open to that. And but it allowed things to, to continue. But I hate to impugn intention on people that I don't know, but do you think there was some malevolence in, t uh, malevolence in terms of protecting priests? Because they protected priests I, for a, I don't, a long I, time. You know, in, in the South African situation, and I can only really speak sure. about that, the international situation I've read about, but in the South African situation that I worked in, I don't think there was. Okay. I, I don't think there was a, a sense that, well um, – I mean, it's an embarrassment, right? It I mean, is, it and it's be, a huge, it's a huge blot and trauma on the on the on and the I Catholic do understand if people don't want to be to embarrass the church. I do understand, and that. and that's a lot of what happened. Is that, RG child, keep quiet yes. because Father would never do that to you. Just keep quiet, and it's it's again losing voice. Yeah, and the more that we we lost voice, the more we killed killed children because we, you know, children must have that that voice. There is a lot around that. That I think we still have to explore. I think the, the the church in the states is going through two phases at the moment. It's um, it's going through a phase of still exposing this, um, and on another level, it's going through a phase of being able to say, how do we make the the environment the safest that we can make? Yeah, and that's where I I would like to see us. And in the same way that the church must do it is the same way the country must do it, is the same way that the Boys, boys and Girl Scouts of South Africa must do it, the way that our sports clubs must do it. Yeah. Um, when we, that, in a sense, the, the, and, and, and this is going to sound strange, but I, I think that there's method in it. It's a privilege that the Catholic Church went through this in South Africa and internationally because we have ex exposed by negligence a much bigger violence against children and 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 the minor the 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 person without voice right and it's now beginning to spread into other in, into other uh, groupings um, the biggest group um, in, in prison for child abuse in the states are sports coaches we've got to look at oh, those really? things yeah. um, there were a few big cases yeah the scouts the um, the um, anywhere that where there's a group of people for me, 
I've got to know who's looking after the kids. Right. And, and I do think that's, that's a, a conscientization that's happened in my life because of the work that I'm doing and of being able to say, ah, but I see that as a problem. I want to know who my te- who's teaching my kids. I want to know who's driving my kids. I want to know um, in, in one of the schools we had incidents where um, children in grade four were being taken home legitimately by their transport, getting home, and there would be older siblings or cousins or relations at home waiting for parents who would come in much later, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the evening. So in that time that the children were coming back from school, until the time that an authority figure was in control, there was the exposure to pornography. We had grade fours which you know, it staggers me. Grade four is acting out what they had seen. Now they're going to do that. Children do that. Sure. Now the negligence is the parent in that case. Indeed. Uh, we've got to make sure in, 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 a, in, a, in, our, in our culture and our society that if we're child focused, that's completely unacceptable. I want to know who my kids are with. When they get home from school, mm. latchkey kids, we were safe. I grew up like that. I mean, both my parents had to work. Uh, we didn't have that. That we didn't have the technology. We didn't. We we had TV for two hours a night. Yeah, and it was SABC. Who wants to watch that? Yeah. I mean, the only thing we watched was the gummy bears. Um, it's a totally different world with technology. Um, how are we we asking that question of children, and of those who look after children? It's interesting that most of your answers revolve back to, to children. I, 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 I can't see a different way of working because the adults have failed, whether it's the adults in the church, Ouch, whether yeah. it's the adults in adults in, adults in parliament, um, whether it's the adults in political parties, adults in, in adults Santon. In quotation marks. Um, yes. You know, where's the money going? Is this sure. benefiting kids? But that's what I want to talk to you about, actually, the adults, right? So the adults are of a, okay, let's, okay, the adults are of a generation of post, post or just before 1968, right, most of them. So 1968, what do you mean by 1968? Are you talking about? It's the great student riots that happen in in the States and France and the, the, the opposition to, um, authoritarian war the the war opposition in in the states around yeah. the vietnam war that developed 68 to 72 that sort of era it's the massive societal change for instance in the catholic church uh, yes. the as a consequence of the second vatican council which ran from 1962 to 1965 the impl- implementation started in 1968 okay. so you've got a the 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 generation post war so they've lived through through the early trauma of the war, yes, um, rationing and and all of the things that went on, um, the Soviet bloc, the partition of Europe, uh, all of those sort of things. Um, in the in the states, you've got the beneficiaries of the GI Bill yep. and the the returning, and so these are kids who've lived through early trauma and then a fairly fantastic wealth, um, turning everything in society. Onto its head, yes. And as you turn that onto its head, then you, um, then it, by turning it onto your head, you're 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 changing the way that the system works. 
and that whole post-war generation gets to university, gets and gets to um, a Christian Democrat type Europe that is suddenly beginning to get a lot more prosperous. Everybody's doing well. Um, and then they realize that there's a lot of people not doing well. It's the end of the, the colonies um, yes. in that era. Uh, it's the realization that, that the economies can't hold the, the, the colonies anymore, um, whether it's, 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 um, it's the UK or all the way through to, to Portugal, um, ending up in 1972, 1974. It's a massive society change. Uh, that group leads a, a type of revolution which – Destroys a, a certainty, and that yes. certainty that is destroyed remains destroyed. Yeah, we run it, run it into the seventies, we run it into the eighties, we run it into the nineties. A lot of the nineties program is trying to reestablish a certainty, whether it's the okay. EU process, whether it's um, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, and 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 the way that he he had a fairly huge influence on a fairly huge he had a huge influence on the way the the states works. Um, and that program again begins to to crumble because we we can't hold everything together yeah um, the, the, the the whether it takes its its toll right the way through to brexit it takes its toll in our south african parliament where we laugh at each we spend more time laughing and and, and ridiculing each other uh, in a sense maybe we we we're, we're still in 1968 there uh, and that Epoch change that comes, and, and the next significant change is, is the in, introduction of, of, of social media. Um, that epoch change is now the people who are leadership. Right. So or that's who, the. are the adults. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's Jacob Zuma. That was my. It's Hillary Clinton. Yeah. My point it's being. Donald that, Trump. You said the adults have failed, mm. but they are the 1968. Exactly. Uh, generation. And. It took me a long time to realize this, and I'm still quite young, so I'm st it's, not a, it's not a set idea, but by stripping away meaning maybe from religion mm. or, or all these other ideas about, about humanity and, and just focusing on what the material is, mm. it leaves a deep sense of cynical nihilism at the end of the yeah. day. It's an alienation that, that we are yeah. still trying to process. Um, and a lot of the reaction, I think, to, to for instance, let's just take what happened in, in, uh, in, in the States with the election. Um, I think a lot of it is still a reaction to that type of, well, yes. we, how, how, do, how do we actually interact? Because our certainties remain removed. So the, the, the Donald Trump surprise wasn't a surprise because you guys called it apparently. <laughs> um, but the Donald Trump effect um, – is a, a, a reassertion, and in, in, in the states, the, the history swings between, you know, isolationism and, and internationalism. Uh, it's a swing back to say, well, that gives us certainty. Yeah. And a lot of what we're doing in South Africa, even in the way that we react to to the issue of racism, co colonization, or colonialism, I think we've got to rethink those words because they don't—they're not historically accurate. Um, We've is 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 a search for certainty again, and it's a search for certainty in some sense is a search for meaning. Where do we place our meaning? And I would say that that a lot of our meaning has to be replaced. The focus needs to be placed on the way that the the child sees the world, 
I understood. And and that changes the way that we we look at things. The right. 1968 generation is a very selfish generation. It said, "Look at what we did. We can yeah. change everything." And then. By the 1980s, 1968 generation is coming into power, and they realize, well, it doesn't work. It's not working. It hasn't worked. Well, it's changed things for the, for the worse. You know, how do we keep the system going? Yeah. And it's not going. Um, and that's, that's what we deal with in the, in the trade union movements in South Africa. Um, it's very selfish. It's my group only. We don't have a, a broad and inclusive thinking. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think that, that, that mentality can be ascribed to many, many people in South Africa mm. or many groups, if groups should exist. We had mm. a previous guest who said they yeah. don't. But should there be a collection or aggregate of people? I think, I think that the human, human nature is selfish and it has to be if you look at evolution. But it's only been the past 50 years where we have abundance, mm. but we're still human at the end of the day. So, I mean, Chris... We've gone on a little bit longer than expected. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you one last question. What do you think, they're not too big now, but of the new atheists, they call them the new atheists. I don't know why, they're just atheists. They made it maybe cool to be atheists. They had a profound effect on me, much less so now. Mm. Uh, but when I read their books, I was, I was what, 20? Mm. Uh, you, I was you know, happy to read something new. What do you think they've, have they had any effect on the church as such I think the church in the sense would would be the broader church yes I think it has really uh, I think that it's it's forced a much broader engagement yeah because uh, that's what opposition does it is ironically yeah. indeed because the new atheists they sort of unfortunately most of them think religion is like the worst evil ever perpetuated in history Um and they want to destroy the church, but or religion in general. But by being that main opposition, the the church has to adapt, or they adapt, or there's always there's yeah. a sort of confrontation, a confrontation, and, is, and hopefully a dialogue, which is not uh, violent, of course. Uh, you know, I I get thrown back to to the South Africa that we we live in, um, and you you can have the Dawkins and and, and all of those others. Go ahead, um, in Johannesburg. When the mining revolution started um, in the 1881, the the Transvaal government had no intent of this lasting. It was going to be like the California gold rush. It was going to be like the Kimberley gold rush, uh, the Kimberley diamond rush. It was going to end. So they never invested anything. They literally didn't invest a cent. Uh, Paul Kruger was very clever. Um, and the, 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 there's a long-term benefit, which we can talk about sometime. Um, he took the plan that von Willich, I think it was the, the town planner, had in, in the center of town, and he added in, he, he halved the size of the blocks. You'll see it between Pretoria and Johannesburg, the yes. blocks in Joburg. That's why Johannesburg as a city center never really blocks up. There's always a way out. Um, but he could get more on corner tax, so he made more corners. Oh, right, um, right. There was no real in investment in any type of infrastructure. And with that, there was no investment in education. Yes. Now, when Milner comes in, 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 in um, after the, the first Anglo, uh, after the, the Anglo-Boer War, the South African War, whatever you want to call it, Milner comes in and establishes these fantastic big schools. But they don't educate poor people. 
Right. And the Catholic Church, the the Sisters of the Holy Family of, of Bordeaux, um, they arrived here by, by ox wagon. There was nothing else. They sat down in a tent and started a school, the first school, um, the first hospital, the Joburg Gen, the uh, Charlotte Matneke Hospital, uh, started off as a, as a Catholic hospital okay. uh, because there was nothing else there. No one else was doing medical stuff. Uh, that group of incredible people were inspired by a religious motive that was altruistic. Uh, South Africa at one stage in the monastery in Marion Hill in KZN had the biggest monastery in the world. Yeah. Uh, and that monastery then spread education and healthcare into all parts of KZN. Um, and you'll see a lot of those, those, those monastic manses are still scattered all over uh, in the southern part of, of KwaZulu-Natal. That's the altruism that I think faith-based organizations encourage. Now, in South Africa at the moment, does that mean that we're going to have a whole bunch of monks and nuns? Absolutely not. But we have communities that are inspired by altruism that say, where do we start? Well, who's, who's suffering the, the most in South Africa? Maybe it's the children. That's where we start. Yep. You're good at this. <laughs> Father Chris, you're thank very you. good at this. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to thank have you here. I mean, thank you so much. I do hope. For the listeners out there, it's a bit different to what we normally do, but um, I hope you do enjoy it. It's a bit of an experiment. Um, Father, where can they um, follow you on social media? On? Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Padre Chris. Um, you can find me there. Also, Facebook, Chris Townsend. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of around. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, but I wouldn't know what you'd be, what I'm called on Instagram. So uh, something like that. All right. No, Twitter will be fine. All right. Well, once again, Father Chris, thank you so much. I appreciate it. To our dear listeners, uh, you know, feel free to tweet at Father Chris. Any disagreements? I think he's as amenable online as unlike me I'm not amenable online at all but nevertheless um, I hope you enjoyed it follow us at renegade underscore report on twitter and we will see you the next time bye cliffcentral.com